Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another episode of the Euro Trip. Of course, we were here on Monday for Malfest Monday, the first episode of the series, as we were looking ahead to this Saturday's first heats in Melody Festivalen. But we are back. It is a Wednesday, our regular episode looking at all things in the world of Eurovision with me, Rob, and him, James. Hello. I can't tell if I'm already really excited about two episodes a week or just really tired by two episodes a week. Yeah, it's it's going to be a slog between now and mid-March, but we're all going to get there. We've all had a look at the Eurovision World Calendar, haven't we, online? <laughs> Some of us have, have synced it with our with our own kind of calendars on our mobiles, which I don't want to do because it will make me more stressed, I think. Yeah, this weekend especially is going to be very, very busy, as is the next five or so weeks as national final season ramps up and then finally comes to an end uh, in the middle of March. But before we get on with today's podcast with uh, a load of guests that you'll be looking forward to hearing from, I think we'd better start off with an apology. Yeah, it's never good to start a podcast with an <laughs> apology to one of your listeners, is it? But uh, ESC James on Twitter... We, we do owe you an apology because some would say that we, we misled you. Inadvertently. We didn't do it deliberately. Yeah. Uh, ESC James uh, at ESC UK 2014 on Twitter got in touch with us on Monday, on the day of release of Melfast Monday, and said, could this be a UK Eurovision announcement and bonus episode on Saturday? And tagged us in it. And then had a little video that he recorded on his podcast app. And this was the clip that he played. And also, some other exciting news to tell you about. Maybe you already know this, but if you don't, let's keep it vague. We may well be seeing you on Saturday. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, we can't say much. Or we can say lots, depending on (laughs) what has been announced and when. But we'll see you on Saturday. Now, if I was James, I can kind of understand why he thought that something 
UK Eurovision related maybe happening on Saturday after what we said? But unfortunately, it is not. We know just as much as you do, and that is very little. We've got our fingers crossed just as much as you have for some news about the UK very, very soon. But it does look like, for all we know, it's going to be very exciting whenever it comes. But that's not what we were talking about. And unfortunately, as we sit here now, we still can't tell you what that was about, actually. (laughs) Yeah, we were saying the irony of us saying, James, we're really sorry that we misled you because that wasn't news about the UK Eurovision. However, we now, as you said, James, this is confusing a lot of Jameses, we, we, we cannot give you the information as to what we were actually talking about there. So we're still going to have to be really vague, which I appreciate is just unhelpful all round. But all we can say, uh, keep an eye on our on our socials and someday soon, maybe already, you'll know what we're doing on Saturday. But it is not related to the UK and Eurovision 2022. So stick across our socials at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We'll tell you as soon as we know or as soon as we're allowed to tell you. Anyway, this is getting far too confusing. Let's get on with today's episode of the Eurotrip. As John Olasson always said, take it away. Hi, we are Daniel Kakamane and you're listening to Eurotrip. But I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Berlin Festival and it will always be a part of me. That night I found myself live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar, come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estudal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, Estonia's representative from Eurovision 2002 and Esti Lau 2022 hopeful, it's Anna Salim. Yeah, we've been on a bit of a Estonia Esti Lau roller coaster recently, haven't we? We spoke to Alina Nechayeva last week. She's participating in Esti Lau. Uh, and also represented Estonia a few years back. Now it's time for Anna Celine, who is also in Esti Laul this year and has also represented Estonia. Have I said Estonia and Esti Laul enough? I think I have. <laughs> it's great to chat to Anna. Uh, 20 years ago, she represented Estonia. Oh, I've said it again. Uh, after, oh, I'm going to say it again. Estonia won the Eurovision Song Contest the year before and she came oh so close to winning the Eurovision Song Contest that year. And there is such an amazing story about how she even got into Estonia to begin with and here she is telling us all about how she heard her song Runaway for the very first time. Mind you this was 20 years ago so it was no fast internet it was like the modem time was like (laughs) so it took three hours for half of Runaway to come to my shitty laptop. So James you have also got another chat in store for us on this week's episode. I certainly do. We're going to hop over the border, or two borders, one border, two borders, down to Lithuania uh, to chat to Gebrasi. He is back in this year's Lithuanian selection after coming fairly close last year, uh, just being pipped to the post by the Roop. He's back in it again this year. I'm going to chat to him all about his song and his hopes for Eurovision this year. And obviously, we will also be talking all things San Remo, because San Remo week is finally here. So we've got all that and more still to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. 
This is the Eurotrip podcast, and as we've already said, we are now very much in the midst of what is a chaotic, busy national selection season. So thank you very much for choosing us to guide you through it like a cute golden retriever guide dog. Oh my goodness me, you didn't think about that before I came out the mouth, did it? I'm just obsessed with golden retrievers, honestly, I tell you. I can't can't walk down the street without seeing one and losing my mind. Are so you one it's... of those people who just runs up to any dog and just goes... <laughs> I don't know what that was. I'm so pleased that nobody listening to this can see what you just did. I'm not a fan of a dog. I'm much more of a cat person. I don't know. What do you do with dogs? Do you... oh, I feel like we're going to lose half of all of our listeners now that you've said you're not a dog person. Anyway, what I was basically trying to say is we will do our best to guide you through the national selection season as best we can and also just while we're on the subject of that certain country that we're not supposed to be mentioning again for a little while e-s-t-o-n-i-a that shouldn't have been that hard to spell (laughs) Uh, we might complete the estonian hat trick next week because there is quite a heavy chance that next week's big guest is also from that country i promise you it's not deliberate everybody we're not being sponsored by the estonian tourist board if they fancy it we're uh, we're open to offers. Let's just say that. Yeah, uh, stay tuned for next week and find out if we complete the hat trick. But let's cast our minds back seven days to last week's episode when, yeah, we were joined by an Estonian guest. But also, we were joined by Brooke, who was taking part in the Irish National Selection, which takes place this Friday. We'll find out very soon who's going to be representing that nation uh, in Turin in May. And it's safe to say... Uh, her appearance on the podcast got a lot of you talking, loads of people getting in touch at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter to let us know your thoughts. And they're overwhelmingly positive. So many people are rooting for Brooke. Lauren on Twitter got in touch and said, regardless of whether or not the song is by far the best of the selection, in brackets, which it is, they should absolutely be sending somebody with this approach. Maxi Rainbow as well got in touch to say, this is the energy we need. And finally, Amia, she is preaching the truth and she should win just for this. It was really great just to to hear from her about her... It was really great to hear just how she's doing her best to change perceptions of Eurovision in Ireland, you can you can see that on the clip that we've we popped on the social from the podcast last week because she knows Eurovision. She quite clearly loves Eurovision. It's not one of those occasions where an artist just says how much they love Eurovision for the sake of getting the Eurovision fans on board. It's quite clear she does know the contest. So she would be an excellent representative for Ireland, as would many of the others in Eurosong 2022. So we'll find out who is flying the flag for Ireland on Friday, which is very, very exciting. Now, also, loads of you getting in touch from Monday's Malfest Monday, of course, the very first episode of the series. We were building up to heat number one. Heat number one featuring, of course, former Swedish Eurovision representative Robin Bengtsson, who represented them in 2017. Now, he gave us some exclusive info about his entry, which, of course, we won't hear until Saturday, or at least you won't get a little snippet of it, maybe a little bit before then, but you won't see the full thing until Saturday. Well, loads of you have been in touch. Robin told us that it's up-tempo, it's 170 beats per minute, which, if you Google other songs that are 170 beats per minute, it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot. Let's say say that much. Anyway, loads of you have been in touch. Uh, Kai said, oh my God, I just can't wait to hear it. I just know it's going to be an absolute serve. 
Patricia said winner, just in capitals, just winner. I like to think she was shouting it. Uh, and Lana as well. She said, to be honest, I'm so looking forward to this and I hope he's my winner this year as well. Yeah, such a great reaction to last week's episode and Melfest Monday earlier in the week. And if you've got any comments about the Eurotrip or Melfest Monday, then don't forget you can get in touch with us at any time. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us as well, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. And you can go and check out the website as well, eurotrippodcast.com for all of the exclusive stories we get from the podcast every single week. Yeah, James mentioned the website there. If you want to read more about what Robin said about his entry in Melfest Heat Number 1 on Saturday, head over, as James said, to the website, youtubepodcast.com. But there is an awful lot of news to tell you about this week, which will come as... Little surprise. Little surprise indeed, yes. I was going to say come as unsurprising news, but then little little surprise works. You don't well. make things easy for yourself, do you, honestly? honestly and also- tell, I'm not feeling very well. I've had like the flu. It's not COVID and it's set me back, I tell you. I'm not on flying form this week. I'm, I'm running at about 55%, I reckon. Oh dear, well strap yourselves in everybody because Rob is going to try and round up everything that's happened in the world of Eurovision over the last seven days. So uh, clunk click, everybody. <laughs> And uh, Rob, take it away with all the news. Yeah, I normally say that I'll need to lie down by the end of this. This week, I genuinely might. Anyway, should we start with the two 2022 songs which were selected over the weekend? Well, Chanel, of course, won Benidorm Fest. She'll represent Spain with her song Slow Mo. Now, Tangu... Oh, I never know how to say this properly. I'm going to give it another run up, everybody. Tangu Geras we'll go with they won the public vote but they finished lower down of course with the jury and Rigoberta Bandini finished as the overall runner-up a massive three million people watched the show on television in Spain which is their best viewing figures for a national selection for many a year and of course I think we can all agree Benidorm Fest an excellent addition to the national final season calendar now in Moldova good luck everybody Dobzy Dub and Fratil Avahov have been selected with their song Tenultul. Despite initially planning to use a national final, of course, TRM, the Moldovan broadcaster, opted to internally select its representative, which they said was down to the rising COVID-19 infections in Moldova. That was a roller coaster in itself, if you didn't see that last week, everybody. They were going to have auditions, and then they weren't having the auditions, and then they were having a semi-final and a final, and then they weren't having a semi-final, but they were still having a final, and then they got rid of the final, and then anyway... And then anyway Zobzidov were internally selected. Uh, It's the third time that they will represent Moldova. They also did so in 2005 and 2011. And I'm not going to be impartial. That song, one of my favourites. It is fantastic. Now that is just two news stories. So I hope you can do all the other 746 a lot quicker than you did the first two. (laughs) Maybe everybody, and I would never advise this, maybe this is the part where you pop your podcast listening app onto 1.5 speed (laughs) so we can get through the rest of it. Over the weekend, we saw the third heat of Melody Grand Prix in Norway, won by Oda Godrison with her song Hammer of Thor. 
We also saw the first semi-final in Lithuania. And of course, we'll be hearing from one of those who successfully qualified from that semi-final to the final later on. Now, the eight songs in the running to represent Israel at Eurovision have been revealed. They will be performed on Israeli television on Thursday. Marvin Dietman has revealed he'll be part of the creative team behind the Cypriot entry at Eurovision this year. He did the same for them in 2021. He also did the same for Austria, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic and Spain in Rotterdam. And they work alongside Dan Shipton. Dan was the creative director for the United Kingdom between 2016 and 2018. And of course, we have a hugely busy week ahead. Are you listening? Tomorrow, Thursday, if you're listening on Wednesday, sees the first semi-final in Estonia. On Friday, Ireland and North Macedonia select their entry. Melody Festival kicks off on Saturday. On the same night, Israel will choose their entry. We'll also have the second semi-final in Estonia, the Supernova semi-final in Latvia, the first semi-final in Slovenia, and Norway and Lithuania continue their selection process. Also over the weekend, the Song of Ketlin songs will be out. And, as we all know, San Remo week is here. Goodness gracious me, what a busy week it has been. And I know Moldova and Spain only selected their songs on Saturday, but that just feels like a lifetime ago. So much seems to have happened since then. It's just been, oh, well, yeah, we're going to need to lie down, aren't we? After every single hour of every single day uh, come come every single day oh honestly i'm gonna lose all my words here because i'm just so stressed <laughs> about everything that's happening there's too much to keep up with and i don't think i can carry on any longer just turn the light off in the room that you're currently in <laughs> just sit in the dark for a second and, and calm down yeah you certainly will need to lie down with all the sleep deprivation that's coming our way this week because as i mentioned there it is indeed san remo and the shows will finish up who knows what time to be honest might still be going on this time next week when we're still talking about this on the podcast you never know but San Remo is finally here. Of course, extra special this year because, as we all know, Eurovision is heading to Italy. But it feels like San Remo snuck up on us. I don't know about you, James. It just feels like it's it's suddenly here. And I'm like, oh, blimey. That's, that's where we're at in selection season, which is very, very exciting. But I thought we'd get a familiar face on the podcast to chat all things San Remo. He is Claudio Sartorelli. He's from the Italian Eurovision news site Eurovision IN. And I started by asking him just how excited he was that San Remo is back. Well, it's like in the past, I would say, five, six years. It's super high. It's very difficult to explain what San Remo is for non-Italians because it's, it's one of a kind. Uh, probably I could sense the same uh, excitement around the world when you have like the, the FIFA World Cup or uh, the Olympics. Uh, it's it's really something that keeps more than fifty percent uh, percent of Italians in front of the TV every night from Tuesday up to Saturday, uh, and often without a clear end time of any of the shows. This is the thing that I think people listening from around Europe, around the world, might not understand. You know, they might think, oh, there's, there must be a set end time because all TV programs have a schedule that they have to stick to, but that all goes out the window with Sam Remo, doesn't it? Yes. Well, basically, they do have rehearsals um, during the afternoon, but it's not, let's say, quite accurate com- compared to Eurovision, where the exact timing, it's, it has to be very clear since day one. Here, they know who is going to be on stage. They don't know exactly all the time what they are going to do on stage, because some of the guests are uh, rehearsing their speech uh, basically in their hotel room. So nobody knows 
how long that will take. So there's an estimated time, but you never know if they actually stick to that. So I could say that for the week, we know that it's normally going to be around 1.30 a.m., something like that. And Saturday could be even up to 3 a.m. You mentioned, you know, the history and the prestige of San Remo and how important it is for the Italian viewing public. So can we just talk about that a little bit more? Because, you know, it really is such a, a cultural event when it comes to, to Italian entertainment. Yes, exactly. So it's the, it's the main focus of the, of the whole year for Rai. So basically, it's that top show for Rai Uno every year. It, it, it became basically that big already in the 60s because you had all the top singers going there because it was basically the only one or actually the biggest possibility to be seen and to be heard around the country. And, well, throughout ups and downs in the late 70s, beginning of the 80s, it is still seen like that. Many of the singers, they do not take part because they... they want to win it's actually a possibility to be seen and to be heard by such a large audience because when you count uh, to have on a, on a single night about 11 million viewers that's a huge um that's a huge possibility to to get a career basically or to to get back on track on your career you mentioned that San Remo is is a place where the biggest artists perform the biggest artists compete Having a chat about the artists that are in the 2022 edition, the artists that we're going to see this year. I mean, for Eurovision fans, two of the names that stand out, of course, are Mahmoud and, and Emma, of course, from 2014, Mahmoud from 2019. Are yeah. they the names that you're most excited about or are there other names that you think fans should should be looking out for? It's very difficult to say if there's a, let's say, a top favourite singer this year or f- favourite artist, because, well, it seems very much as a Sanremo all-star this year. We have plenty of winners returning to the contest, people that have been away for more than 20 years. So it's it's very it's very interesting. From what I heard from, let's say, the people who have been to the rehearsal so far, uh, we should be uh, careful at the performance of La Representante de Lista, who were in the contest also last year. So that's going to be probably the, the, the song that is mostly seen as a potential winner. Exciting. So that's definitely one to look out for. Now, does Sam Remo this year take on a whole new level given the global success of Maniskin, of course, from last year? Does that change things, do we think? I'm not so sure that it has changed in terms of show or what, what we will see on stage as such. But I think that it, it increased the awareness of the artists of what Eurovision is and what they can get out of that. I mean, through that Maniskin, they are let's say, a big phenomenon now, and you won't have it every year coming from Eurovision. So it's not given per se that if you take part of Sanremo, go to Eurovision, you would have the same success. Um, but still, they understood that it's a great opportunity for them to be seen abroad. Whereas in 2011, when we came back to the contest, basically, you had to beg them to participate. Yeah, it's a whole different ballgame, isn't it, for Italy, especially now, especially when it comes to the Eurovision Song Contest. Talking of of Eurovision, I know there's been a lot of complaints from fans saying, you know, when are we going to get all this important information like the hosts and and some of the other key information for this year's contest? But actually, because this is Rai's biggest television programme of the year, it's no surprise that we've had to wait for all of those things when they've had to organise San Remo at the same time. Yes, it was actually quite natural to me to think that they would basically bind together the two events. Uh, Rai has very good 
results in terms of viewing for Eurovision the last couple of years, but they really want to boost it because it's going to be the first time that all the three shows that will be on Rayuno, not only the final, but also the semifinals, and they really want to make it a success. So what's the best place to promote Eurovision? It's obviously Sanremo, where, as we said before, you can get on a normal weekday 11 million viewers. So they decided to, to give a bit of hints what during the show they have been, between brackets, forced to give details already before because, well, uh, with the allocation role, they were actually supposed to at least uh, reveal the, the artwork or few of the other details, but most likely all the hosts or at least part of them, they will be revealed tonight. So we will finally know it, no surprise. We know those names. Um, and I would say the Italian fandom, it's equally split in favor or against. Claudio, talk us through the format, of course, because the format is maybe confusing for some people, but if people really want to embrace San Remo for the first time this year, if they want to properly get involved in the con competition this year, you know, what do they need to know about what San Remo looks like? Okay, so there are 25 competing artists. Well, actually a bit more, but let's say 25 competing songs. That's better said. Uh, they are split into groups for the first two nights. There will be no qualifiers. There will be nobody being eliminated. That's one of the main difference compared to all national selections. All the artists will be competing up until the last night. That's why it takes ages to see all of them on stage on Saturday, because we will hear all the 25 songs once again. Um, voting system, it's to a certain extent similar to what we've seen recently in the Benidorm Fest. So we do have public voters. We do have a jury composed by, um, again, by selected public. Here, uh, this year, they call it the jury 1,000 because there will be 1,000 people uh, voting with, their, uh, with a specific application and they've been selected, taking into account different demographics, uh, the usage that they do on uh, online platforms, they buy records. So it's always seen as music consumers. So that's the, the way they define this jury. And on top of this, we have, as usual, uh, a more technical one, which is composed by the press in Sanremo. Claudio, thank you for taking us through that, because I think everybody, everybody needs to understand that if they are to, to enjoy Sanremo fully this week. I hope you enjoy it. It's great that Sam Romo is finally here. And also, given all of the late nights, I hope you do manage to get some sleep at some point. Um, well, it's like Eurovision, basically. You know that for that week, sleep, it's not essential. You just have to enjoy the show, have fun. And, well, you will sleep on Sunday. That's fine. Gladio, thanks so much. Speak to you soon. You're welcome. Speak to you soon. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Thanks to Claudio from Eurovision RN for getting us up to speed with all things San Remo. Or by the time you're listening to this, some of it's already happened because obviously it kicked off on Tuesday night. It'll be happening tonight, Wednesday, then Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It's an absolute marathon, but we know so many of you absolutely love it. It's one of your favourite national selections. But from Italy, 
we now head to Lithuania. Don't forget, we'll be chatting to Anna Celine from Estonia very shortly. That's still to come. But to Lithuania now, as I say, we're going to be chatting to Gebrasi. He is taking part in the Lithuanian national selection for a second year in a row. If you cast your minds back to 2021. I think I mentioned this before. I said he was pipped to the post by the Roop. Well, he sort of was. He came second in the national final. But I think the Roop got more than 10 times the amount of points than Gebrasi himself. That's just how much of favourites the Roop actually were last year. But it's great to have Gebrasi back. He's a real fan favourite. And I caught up with him actually a few weeks ago at the very start of January before we saw any of the shows. But we still get a great insight into him and how this song came about and when he actually wrote it, because it might actually surprise you. But I started off by asking him to tell us all about his history in the Lithuanian selection for the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, the history is pretty, pretty long. I already participated in two finals. Uh, once as a backing vocalist with Monique and uh, the other one was last year with Where Do You Wanna Go when I uh, took second place. Yeah, so it's safe to say you are very experienced. You're well up for this year uh, with another song you've written by yourself. Tell us about it. What's the song all about? Well, my song Into Your Arms, it's about a relationship that didn't really work out. But you keep thinking about it. It's not leaving your thoughts. You dream about it at night. It's basically a very retrospective and nostalgic track because even though you know that the relationship was really not working out, you're still thinking about everything good that happened with it. So the song is about pretty much facing those feelings. And when you sat down to start writing this song, was it always in your mind that you were going to enter this into the Lithuanian selection? Well, this song, I wrote it very spontaneously, I think. We were chatting with one friend of mine uh, and uh, she said that, okay, I think I'm going to perhaps go to play the piano and write a song. And then I thought, okay, Perhaps I should do that too, because I'm not doing anything important right now. So I went uh, in front of my instruments, found the chords, found the melody. It happened so fast. And then I really heard the vision of the entire soundscape of the song. So I recorded the uh, backing vocals as well. And everything just came together so nicely that I think it was this second song that I showed my producer, Fausta Svenskos, that we're working with. We worked with him last year and we're working with him this year as well. So this song has been in and about for like more than a year. And I actually thought that I would use it last year, but things worked out like that because I was writing a lot of music uh, for myself and other artists and wh- where do you want to go came up and uh, I thought that I really want to perform that song as well and if I didn't take where do you want to go perhaps some other artists would have picked it up so I chose where do you want to go just to save it in my catalog of songs I guess and uh, into your arms then got pushed back to this year so when everybody was saying like, 
why are you competing against the rope? Why are you doing it this year with such a song? And I, I had into your arms in the back of my head and just thought, just you wait, people, just you wait. <laughs> I have more than one good song. Just believe in me. I know what I'm doing. Well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because you competed last year and we all know the Roop were in the competition and the, I mean, they blew everybody out of the water. I think they got 10 times as many points as you, despite you coming second uh, with Where Do You Want To Go? Do you sort of, I don't know, do you regret it in a way taking that song last year? Because you could have used it this year with, without the Roop in the competition. I absolutely regret nothing because it, it was the song that pretty much gave me a platform to do so much uh, cool things this year because uh, everybody started recognizing me and everybody uh, offered me shows, uh, TV shows, and there were a lot of people listening and I didn't have that before 2021. So uh, starting in Eurovision with Where You Wanna Go was definitely a brilliant, brilliant decision that worked out very well for me and I think everybody knew that the group would be coming back to Eurovision that year so many artists decided to not even try but uh, it was a COVID year and there were no performances nothing and I really missed the stage so I knew that I had to participate just for myself because I knew that I would feel better if I had the chance to perform again. I felt that I needed that purpose. And I think with your participation last year uh, in 2021, the reaction from fans was enormous as well. You, you became very popular. I remember seeing at the time, a lot of people online were talking about you and talking about the song. What has that been like to, to deal with sort of becoming a bigger star, a lot more popular in Lithuania and across Europe as well? Well, at the start, I just really wanted to live in the moment because you don't know when such things can happen to you again. Uh, it was a very unexpected blow up that I probably was not ready for because that was not the first time that I participated in Eurovision. And uh, the televote was never <laughs> that lucky for me in Lithuania. So I did not expect too much coming into that, coming into Eurovision. And I was surprised every single week by how many people loved the music. And uh, that showed because <laughs> at the start, I tried to reply to every single person, every single comment. I <laughs> tracked down ev everybody that was <laughs> writing something about me just to interact. And then I saw that, okay, I need to step back a little bit because I'm going to sleep at 4 a.m. I'm starting to work at 9 a.m. And I'm doing it for three weeks. And I think that my battery is near dead. So perhaps I should <laughs> just relax a little bit more. And what would it mean to you to finally win the Lithuanian selection and get that ticket to Turin in May? What would it mean to you 
to represent Lithuania at the Eurovision Song Contest? It would mean a lot for two reasons. The first one would be that the music that I wrote would be heard by so many people. And the other aspect is, of course, I've been watching Eurovision since like 2001 or 2002. So I have a lot of history with this contest because it was a family tradition to watch it every single year. And uh, I'm a crazy competitive person. So I really like to compete. And since uh, when I was doing sports in childhood, (laughs) it didn't really work out. So I have to compete in other places and like a music contest. Well, why not? (laughs) Well, let's keep our fingers crossed that you won't be watching Eurovision this year with the family, but instead you'll be on that stage in the grand final in Turin representing Lithuania. And I'm certain there's a lot of our listeners and a lot of fans out there who have got the fingers crossed for you as well. So thanks for joining us. And I wish you the very best of luck for the selection for 2022. Thanks a lot. Thank you for inviting me. This is the Eurotrip. One of the favourites in the Lithuanian selection there. You'll notice I've abandoned trying to pronounce it at this stage. I think I did it once a couple of weeks ago and probably offended half of the Baltics, so I've uh, I've decided against it. But he is one of the favourites to represent Lithuania at Eurovision in 2022. So good luck to him and good luck to everybody else in the competition. Now, James, we've already mentioned about 18 times. It's always 18 when I come up with a random number. I always say it's about 18-something when we've mentioned something loads. Anyway... I've already mentioned it a lot. We've already mentioned it a lot. National selection season in full steam ahead mode currently. That's not a saying. (laughs) Goodness me. We really are struggling with our words today. What I'm trying to say is the national selection season is in full swing, which means there are lots of songs that we can listen to, which also means that it is perfect for our feature, James, which you bring us every week, which is our national selection lyric of the week. Yeah, this hasn't been a regular feature yet, given we started it one week, forgot it the next, did it the next, and now we're going to do it for the third time in four weeks. So it's becoming a bit regular. Uh, Rob, for a few weeks ago, tasked me to find the strangest, most peculiar lyric from national final season as occurred every single week. Uh, Yeah, I think I've got a bit of a perler this week, actually. Every week you have impressed. Every week's selection for this feature so far has been top draw. So don't let me down. So this week we're going to head to North Macedonia for our Lyric of the Week. I think Uh, we all know what song this is. (laughs) This one comes from Viktor Apostolovsky, which is a fantastic name, and his song Superman. This is my favourite lyric of his. I can boom, boom, bang. I can bang, bang, boom. I can ring, drink, think. I can do everything. This is the Euro Trip. Don't worry, everybody. We'll be back next week with another James's National Final Lyric of the Week or whatever we're calling it. One week, I'll remember what the name of the feature actually is, but you you get the picture. Anyway, it is time now for part two of our Estonian trilogy, as may well be completed on next week's episode of the Euro Trip. Of course, last week we brought you my chat with Elena Natraeva, who was Estonia's representative at Eurovision in 2018. She is back in Estilau this year. She's in the first semi-final, which is taking place on Thursday evening. 
But in the second semi-final on Saturday, we will see on the SC Lau stage the return of another former Estonian Eurovision star. Indeed we will. Anna Celine. 20 years ago, she represented Estonia in Estonia. Oh my goodness, I'm going to do it again. After Estonia had won Eurovision the year before. Yeah, There's a lot of Estonia, honestly. You could have saved yourself there, couldn't you? You could have said she represented them in in Tallinn at least you, you know you could have you could have dropped one anyway it's too late now that would have been helpful but uh yeah this is such a strange story of hers of how she ended up representing Estonia despite the fact she's actually Swedish you will love that story about how that came about but also she's been around the block in Melfest and Eurovision as a backing singer and honestly she's done absolutely everything you could think of and we chat about all of it you'll find out so many fascinating details about her career but we start by chatting about her first foray into the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, I got the opportunity to be a background singer in Melodi Festivalen. Actually, I did get a request to be a solo performer. Uh, I was doing the original recording of the song that came in second that year. It's called Stjärna på Himmelen. <laughs> so I did the original recording of that. I wasn't too crazy about the song, but I, I was asked if I wanted to do it in Melody Festival, but I turned it down. Because <laughs> I thought if I do this, my career will be over. <laughs> because it's such a cheesy song. You know, I was young and a little bit cocky, like, no, no, no. And also I thought Melody Festival, no, I can't do it. Because by then it wasn't cool, you know. So I said... I will do it as a backup singer. So I ended up uh, doing BVs on two songs, which was Take Me to Your Heaven and Kana Himlen. And they ended up in the first and the second place. So I, I could have, I should have, I mean, I would have gone to Eurovision either way. Like, Are you the if, lucky charm then? Are you luck, the lucky charm that both those yeah, songs came first and second? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. So anyway, so that was my first Eurovision. It was in 99 with Charlotte, then Nilsson, now Pirelli. And then I really got the taste for what Eurovision really is. Uh, yeah, so that was my first time. And uh, the second time was in 2002. Well, that's um, what I want to talk about. I really yeah. want to talk no, about. No, 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 no. Two thousand, I mean, for, because I was with I was with Malta the year after, in Eurovision in in Stockholm, because Malta they they didn't have enough of a budget to to send their own background singers, so they wanted like the, uh, the the winning choir, so to say, <laughs> from from last year. So they asked me. So that was my second Eurovision, and there was a very nice lady called. Claudette Pache, who is now in the government for Malta, I heard. Which is oh, really, really? Cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I didn't know until a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and competing for Estonia then was actually Ines. And little did I know that I was going to work with her team two years after. So how on earth did this come about? Because as you say, you're from Sweden, you've uh, lived in Stockholm, you've lived in the countryside in Sweden. And then we come to 2002 and somehow you've got to fill in the blank. Somehow you end up representing Estonia at the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, how on earth? This is a very fair question. Um, (laughs) Basically, the phone was ringing nine o'clock in the evening and I was at home 
on my couch and it was a Swedish publisher who called me. And he said, hi, Anna, we don't know each other personally, but you have been recommended to me by two different people in the music business. I am looking for a good uh, singer and with a lot of charisma, I'm, I'm looking for a good artist. And he said, this might sound like a joke, but I am actually looking for a singer for uh, the Estonian pre-selection for Eurovision that is tomorrow. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, the thing is, I am working with um, a couple of Estonian songwriters. I'm publishing them from Sweden, but the singer doesn't want to do it. And I'm, I'm afraid that if we can't present a singer by tomorrow, that the, the, the song will be disqualified. And so that was my first thing, like, I've never been to Estonia. How, how does that even work? He said, yeah, technically, uh, it says in the rules that the songwriters have to be Estonian, but it doesn't say that the, uh, that the artists must be Estonian. So instead of saying no, I said, okay, uh, so can you send me the song and I'll, I'll have a listen. And mind you, this was 20 years ago. So it was no fast internet. It was like the modem time it was like. <laughs> so it took three hours for half of Runaway to come to my shitty laptop. <laughs> half of it. I didn't even hear the bridge enough. And I was listening to the song with very like evil ears because I didn't have high expectations. And I was listening and I was like, hmm, this isn't too bad. I hear something in this. So I heard myself calling the publisher guy in the middle of the night. It was actually after 12 o'clock. I said, you know what? I'll do it. What do I have to do? And then he said, can you pay, pay for your own plane ticket and I'll get the money back to you? I'm like, no, you know, I was really broke and I was young and I'm like, okay. And I thought, is this a scam? So I went out the day before I went, no, sorry, the day after I went to, um, I went to Arlanda, the airport and I got to Estonia and in Estonia it's one hour later. So I actually went straight to dress rehearsal. It was really and that quick. It was that quick. And then I heard the full song for the first time. Just run away to the stars. Just run away to the I said, okay, so there's no chance in hell that I will ever learn these lyrics. So can you please, I need, I need a, a teleprompter, I said, but they didn't have it. So they were writing it, they were writing the lyrics down on two sets of um, big, big, like carton. Like, yeah, like piece of card. Yeah, yeah. Pieces of uh, yeah, cardboard. Do you remember how you felt, you know, after you'd won the Estonian pre-selection? Because as you yeah. would say, it was one night you were on your sofa at home in Sweden. You get a phone call and less than 24 hours later, yeah. your life yeah. has changed yeah. 
completely do you remember how yeah. you felt i mean technically to be to be really honest it, it was it wasn't i didn't know the result 24 hours later because i was actually going back and then i had to go back home and come back two weeks later because but all of the televotes all everything was um, decided on that performance i did how much pressure did you feel representing Estonia? You know, you've talked about yes. hosting Eurovision as well for the first time uh, yeah. with Estonia that year. How much pressure did you feel? I, I, I didn't want to come across as this like cocky Swede that came in the night before, boom, won. And they're like, who the hell are you? But I think that they, they really, really embraced me. And I'm so like eternally thankful for that, honestly, because they could might as well just have been like, really annoyed but Estonians love Eurovision as much as Swedes do so it's a big thing and I I was very like I, I try to be very humble in all interviews like I'm I will do this as good as possible and I would really really represent you guys here because I I, I felt that it was an honorary task so to say. Did and, you think you, know, you were going to perform well on the night of Eurovision itself and did you feel like you would do as well as you did because I remember Terry Wogan here in the UK he was our commentator for for many many years and as he was introducing your track on the night he said I've got high hopes for this this one has a has a really big chance did you Mm. think you had a good chance at succeeding as well as you did on the night I didn't think too much about expectations honestly Uh, however um, I think I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, viewing myself afterwards. I almost have a phobia <laughs> of doing that. I'm like, I can't. What I'm not too crazy about is the mix. If I could change one thing, it would be the mix of the song. And that was something I couldn't do anything about because the high harmony in the verses are almost louder than the actual melody. And, and not to be cocky, but maybe a little bit. <laughs> I think that it could have gone even better if the sound mix had been better. And it, this is actually the first time I say it, and uh, I'm not giving myself credit here, but actually the song. I think that Runaway could have been a winner with a better audio mix. And how does that make you feel then? If you're, if you're thinking of that just now mm. and then looking back, still a third place finish that, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't knock that. That's a tremendous result, the, the song mm. contest. How does that mm. make you feel now though? Are you thinking, oh, that's annoying. I wish we'd done this. No, no not at all. Because I think so much great came out of Runaway and that whole year anyway. So I think it was, I mean, and also, of course, I don't want to take away anything from the, the, the two songs, like the winning song and the next song, but uh, I'm just saying that it could have been, it, it might have been a little bit better off with a better mix. I'm not sure, of course not. And I am still really happy about the results. So like, there's no no shade, like no no shadow shall fall on anybody here. But I think that the mix could have been better. And it's safe to say that doing Eurovision for Estonia, finishing in third place, did wonders for your career. Just to think of everything you've done since. Uh, Mm. One thing we must talk about is doing Melody Festival and as a lead artist, you've done that a few times since then. I got the opportunity to take part three times in Melody Festival 
unfortunately, I never made it as well as in Estilaul. I never got to Eurovision again, uh, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to won, of course. Um, I think that when I did, when I look back at Melody Festival and I thought, hmm, why didn't I go further? Even though the songs has been really loved, which I did, which I'm very happy about. Um, I think that there were too many, there were too many opinions around my performance. It's like, you should wear this, you should act like this. You should. And I think that probably, um, probably I didn't go all the way because of that. And also maybe my songs wasn't good enough. Maybe, maybe I wasn't good enough. I'm not sure, but there was something, it, it wasn't like, oh, this is hard to say in another language, but it, it, it wasn't as smooth. It wasn't without argument. It wasn't, there were very many people who wanted different things from me, like wear this, stand like this, um, be this. And I'm like, oh, but I'm more like this. No, no, you don't know anything about TV. You should, I mean, it, it was more, it was much more controlled. Well, we'll we'll talk more about Estilao very yeah. shortly. Yeah. There's yeah. a couple more things I want to ask you about in between sure. doing Melfest and coming back mm -hmm. to Estilao. Uh, because yeah. you've been back to Eurovision a couple of times since then as well. As a backing singer again, uh, was 2016 the, the first mm -hmm. time you went back as a backing singer? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I will tell you something. Something that I'm not is strategic. Not at all. <laughs> Um, the thing is, I ended up in Eurovision 2016 between Dami Im, uh, Australia, Sound of Silence, amazing song, I loved it. And I thought that I would fly a bit under the radar. <laughs> I, I, I thought nobody would know. <laughs> I also had to tell Dami that just so you know, I am a Eurovision singer myself. I came in the third place and she was like, oh, but that's not a problem for me. I'm said, okay, are you sure? Just so you know, there might be like a question or two like about it, but I really tried to, to, to stay like in the back and not, you know, steal any shine because that would be very unprofessional of me to, to do that. And she said, and also her Australian team said like, oh, that could actually be a good, you know, a, a good PR thing. So if it comes out, let it come out. And I'm like, okay. Clearly, yeah. you've just, you said you really wanted to be back in Eurovision when you did yeah. backing vocals in 2016. And yeah. then 2019, yeah. 2019 <laughs> came along as well for the United yeah. Kingdom doing, doing yeah, background vocals. It's like Eurovision keeps pulling me in, you know. It just it's keeps like, bringing you back. I know, I know. <laughs> Isn't that amazing in a way? I mean, I don't know. Any other artist who's been for, is it five nations? It is, isn't it? Let's, let's count them. It's, you've okay. done it for Sweden, Sweden, Malta, Malta, Estonia. And of course, Estonia as a solo artist. Yeah. Um, Australia and... And the uh, United Kingdom. UK, yes. <laughs> How did that happen for the UK? Where oh, did that come from? I know John Lundvik very well. So when he was recording... He was sending a few different songs to Melody Festivalen and It's Bigger Than Us was one of the songs that he was sending into Melody Festivalen. And uh, 
he said, I need a fierce choir on this one. Anna, would you like to be a part of it? And it was me, it was Linda Pritchard, amazing singer, Paris Renita from the Mamas, one of my best friends. She's one of my best friends. Melanie Weber, who is also like, it was just like great artists and not necessarily background vocalists, but people with like strong voices. And he said, can you do this for me? And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. And so we all know that John Lundvik didn't end up doing Bigger Than Us in Melody for Swollen. Um, but the song somehow went to the UK with Michael Rice and their delegation said, oh, the, song, the, the, the background vocal sounds so great. Can we use the same ones? And I'm like, here I am again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but honestly, I don't think, I, I, I don't want to do Eurovision as a background singer again. I mean, if somebody asked me in like 20 years, I don't think that will happen, but no. I want to do it as a solo artist. So. And you may well be, because let's talk about uh, this year. You are back to Estonia. Yeah. You're back in so SEL. How yeah. exciting is this? Where, where did uh, it come from? How is it happening? Tell us all about it. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Are you excited? Please of course. Be. How, yeah, yeah, of course. It's 20 I'm years super, since you got to I'm Estonia. I'm super excited. You know, I have been knowing for some years now that this will be my anniversary for Runaway. First of all, I, I want it to be a, an inspirational song. Uh, the song is about, you know, finding strength in, in yourself. And, and everybody who's ever been through anything is a champion. So I feel this is like a, a pick-me-up song. And it's also a tribute to Eurovision fans. What would it mean to you if you get chosen as the one to head to Turin for Estonia? It would mean everything. I mean, it would mean the world to me. I would I really want to do this. And I'm visualizing and I'm, I'm seeing, seeing myself in Torino, <laughs> having a glass of nice Chianti after my <laughs> first Eurovision rehearsal. No, no, really, it would mean the world. I, I would love to, to do it again because I also, I have a very like deep desire to reconnect with my Eurovision audience who has been there like all the years and been so supportive, even though it's been 20 years. And this is kind of like a, a giving back. Well, you've told us how much the Eurovision fans mean to you. They have done for the last 20 years or so. Fingers crossed. I think there's going to be so many people who will want to see you back at the Eurovision Song Contest. So uh, I've wasted more than enough of your time. So thank you so much for chatting. And I just thank wish you the very best of luck for, for SD Lowell. Thank you so much. Bye. It's not often on the podcast we go back as far as kind of 2002. I appreciate Eurovision has a life before kind of the last 10 years, but naturally that's kind of where a lot of the artists that we speak to on this podcast kind of sit when it comes to the history of the Eurovision Song Contest. So it was nice to go 
slightly further back, all the way back to 2002. And that story of how Anna came to represent Estonia in the contest in Tallinn was just ridiculous. The idea that she didn't even know the words to the song and she still won the right to represent them in Eurovision and then almost won the contest. What a ridiculous story. And also, five different countries she's represented at the Eurovision Song Contest in various guises. Absolutely ridiculous and I bet she's got a story or two to tell us about Michael Rice that she left out (laughs) honestly I bet she has she's been I said it before didn't I I said she's been around the block when it comes to Eurovision and we chatted for a good hour actually when me and Anna sat down we sat down before Christmas actually we've been saving that one for a little while uh and we only shared with you about 20 minutes of that so you can imagine there was a a hell of a lot more to that chat but we simply couldn't bring it to you all. So there's a couple of other secrets that are that are hiding in the lair, um, which is my laptop, actually. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, if we had a patron account, uh, you could listen to the full thing, which is about an hour long, and you could hear such stories as her telling James all about how she used to live on a boat in Stockholm, which I'm not sure is overly relevant to the conversation that we had, but but a nice detail nonetheless. Yes, it was. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat. She'll be competing in SD Lowell again this coming weekend. So best of luck to her. But we've almost reached the end of today's episode. But before we go, you know the drill by now. It's time for the one second song, the part of the episode where we play one another and you, of course, the very first second of a Eurovision song. And all you've got to do is try and guess the song title, the artist, the year it competed and the country it represented. Couldn't be easier. The scores currently are me 12, James 10, which means that this week, as I am guessing, and James is the one that has selected the one second song, I've got a chance to open up that gap to six points if I get a full house here. By the end of today's episode, it could be 16-10, which would be a very healthy lead. Well, let's see what happens. Without any further ado, let's hear, for the first time, this week's one second song. Now, when I heard earlier on before we started recording today that you had hastily put together this week's one second song i assumed that would mean that it would be quite easy because you'd have picked something very obvious i've not got a clue have you really have you not honestly i thought when i put this together i thought oh this is going to be easy peasy but no i don't think i've got a clue uh, let, let's have a listen one more time but i'm not sure it's going to help to be honest <laughs> So we've had it twice. You've had a little bit of thinking time. Maybe you've got it at home. But first of all, let's hear from Rob. Any further clue? I now feel slightly more confident. But I am very vague on detail. (laughs) Well, there's only one way to find out. Should we dive straight into it? Four points up for grabs. Where are we going? We are going. I'm going to do the country first because that's the one that I'm most confident on, but may also be incorrect. I'm going to go with Italy as the country. And obviously that limits it somewhat, given they had such a long hiatus from the contest itself. I think the song is called, and I'm sorry, everybody. I think it's called, is it Lessonzale or something like that? We'll go with that. And it was Italy's song at Eurovision in 2018. And was it Ermal? Their their contestant in 2018 were the two of them. I don't know. See, I told you it was vague. I think I may have got one point. I think it's Italy, but the rest of it, very up in the air. For a moment, I honestly thought you were going to steal victory from the jaws of defeat there. (laughs) 
but you rapidly went off course. You were correct in saying it was Italy, but then when you said 2018, you were well off track. You said, what did you say? Ermal, did you say that at one yeah. point? Yeah, it was Ermal and Fabrizio, wasn't it, in 2018? So your wires are just well and truly crossed. But let's put it out of your misery. It was Italy, uh, but it was in 2013. The song title was almost right, actually. L'Essenziale, it's called. Nah. And it was Marco Mengoni. Let's have a listen. E nel silenzio mio annullo ogni tuo singolo dolore per apprezzare quello E mentre il mondo cade a pezzi io compongo nuovi spazi e desideri Appartengono anche a te, che da sempre sei per me l'essenziale. Honestly, happy with that. Happy to have escaped with uh, with one point from from this week's one second song. Well, actually, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest here. I'll give you two points. You were sort of on the right track with the song title. I think it's close enough to give you the points. So I'll give you two points. So you have extended your lead uh, to fourteen to ten. Absolutely delighted with that. So it means that even if you get the full house next week, you can only draw a level. It's getting more competitive, this one-second song thing, ever, to, ever since Martin made us that spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Martin. We are keeping it up to date, as you can hear. There is meant to be a bit of a tenuous link to this week's episode. I, I sort of put a little bit of thought into it, but not much. I mean, you didn't really, did you? If the tenuous link is, it's San Remo this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it pretty much is, although what it did do is looked at when Italy last won the contest, of course, 2021, and before that, 1990, the median song that they sent was actually Marco Mengoni, the middle song. Oh, goodness me, that's not a thing, is it? <laughs> oh, blimey, sorry everybody for that, that's almost as bad as when Bella didn't guess a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Rapidly seeing why that part of the uh, the podcast is your brother's least favourite. We learnt last week that uh, that James's brother absolutely hates the tenuous link and he will continue to hate it if you start After giving that. us rubbish like that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was just very busy today. I just didn't have an opportunity to pull anything better together. Maybe I'll do better next week. Yes, well, we will be back next week, as James has said it there, with yet another episode of the Eurotrip on Wednesday, when we will have so much to talk about, because every single Saturday, it feels like, from now until, well, what feels like the end of time, but is in fact the middle of March, is absolutely jam-packed with national selections. So we'll have all that to talk about. Of course, we'll have more songs by then as well. We've got the songs that are being picked this week that we'll be able to talk about and, of course, we will return before Wednesday because we'll be back on Monday with Melfest Monday, episode two, when we will be looking back at heat number one and looking ahead to heat number two. And hopefully, before the weekend, we can tell you all about what that news is that we're not quite allowed to tell you about yet. But you can stay in touch with us online to find out what all that is. That is, of course, at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram? <laughs> Instagram. That's something else Twitter entirely. Instagram. I think it's called Instagram. We are also uh, hello at your podcast. It's an app specifically for farmers to look at really <laughs> sexy pictures of wheat. Instagram. 
Uh, hello at EuroTripPodcast.com with the email. And don't forget the website, EuroTripPodcast.com. Um, for the meantime, don't forget you can subscribe, leave us a review, and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. Thank you to everybody who's left us a review on Spotify, by the way. I've seen loads of you have done that since we last mentioned it on the podcast. So keep it up. You can now rate the podcast on Spotify. James, you want to say goodbye again? Because it feels like ages since you said goodbye. Say it again. Okay, from me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, I promise I've got nothing else to add. Goodbye. So loads of you have been in touch about that. And I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> oh my god. That's the first time I've ever heard you sneeze. <laughs> and hopefully the last for your Hold sake. on, hold on, let me check. That's bingo on the bingo card. I've heard you sneeze, I've heard you cough, I've heard you yawn. Oh, I've got the full set. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.